0: Father, once again, we just come before you and uh, we pray to hear your voice and only your voice will we obey. Father, we're living in perilous times now. We're living in perilous times, Father. We know that there's lawlessness and all these things that are happening around us. But Father, you want us to be obedient. You want us to prepare for your son's return. You want us to be prepared as a bride is prepared, Father. And so I just... Thank you for this time to receive your instructions at this hour, at this time, at this season. And Father, we will obey. In Yeshua's name, amen. 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 Well, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's been very exciting. And uh, we all have challenges. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. My little Eva is congested and all clogged up. Amen. And um, so my wife's at home with her. But this too will pass. Amen. So I just prayed over her and everything and she had like a a little fever but uh how many of you know that we, we we all have circumstances and challenges How many of you believe in healing Amen I believe in healing you know and and I know that uh some of you have been battling with the spirit of infirmity and different things and a change of season but you know I went to the Lord about this and I said you know Father you you brought me along and you you allowed me to be in a a Baptist church and to be baptized and everything and I said you brought me into a, a Word of Faith church, a Pentecostal church, and Lord, you you taught me about healing and the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and, and Father, you gave me my Hebrew roots, and you've given me all these things, you, and Lord, I'm like, you know, uh, as we're at Beit Tahila here, and there's just a lot of sickness and people, you know, battling infirmities and things, and I said, Father, you know, why is this happening? Why is this going on? You know, because you taught me healing in Yeshua's name, you know, and... Uh, I just felt like he he gave me a word. He said, it can only slow you down. It cannot stop you. And and a lot of people don't want to talk about this, and it's not about uh, doom and gloom or, wow, that was a depressing message. But uh, the fact is, if we read the Scriptures in Daniel even, and I love Daniel. I'm just falling in love with Daniel. It, It talks about the wearing down of the saints. It even makes mention that the Antichrist will prevail against the saints. So so what I want to submit to you is that it, it's not that we give up or that that's a, a bad word. It's just the simple fact that we still have to prepare ourselves. Uh, we still have to do spiritual exercises, you know. So I believe if I can wake up every day and and I want to pray and I want to worship and I want to get into the Word, amen, He can't take me out. Now, I might feel worn down. I might feel a little beat, beat up, amen, you know what I'm saying? I started coming down with something like on Tuesday evening, you know, and and it just hit me like a whirlwind, you know, out of nowhere, it just started to hit me, and I started praying against it and drinking plenty of water and everything, and I went to the mikveh pool Thursday night, and everything went really well. It was exciting, just a great spirit at the mikveh pool. Man, I went home Thursday night, in the middle of the night, I was so congested. I was in so much pain. I had such a headache and sinus pressure and a sore, I felt horrible, and I just pressed in. I just started drinking water, and I said, Father, I said, you have called me to the mikvah pool, and I come against you, spirit of infirmity. And it was a real fight because I didn't cave in. I didn't give up. I didn't call it off or whatever, you know. And, and I tell you what, I woke up Friday morning, and I literally felt better. Not totally recovered, but this sore throat went away, and, and, and I just started feeling better. Amen? You know what I'm saying? And, and I do try to take care of myself and everything, but, but like I said, you know, it's, don't think it's strange, these things that come upon you, you know. And so uh, I would say, and, and uh, it's kind of funny because I've got this little saying that I developed, uh, with a revelation comes a revolution, see. And so I'm in a revolution in the spirit realm. There's a revolution happening. And uh, and just a, a quick testimony, I, I'm learning to, to be led by the Spirit, you know. Uh, we all have a lot of knowledge and insight. I want to just share some of this with you to encourage you in the journey, because how many of you know that we're in a journey, okay? It's not about the destination. We know where we're going to end up, but are we going to make it? I say yes. I don't want to survive here. I want to thrive, you know. I don't want to say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm just making it. Another day, another dollar. No, we need to thrive, not survive. And, and I'm only sharing this because as I was at the mikveh pool, I heard a lot of your prayers and your concerns, and I could see your face, and, and, and you were sharing with me some stuff you were going through and things that were happening. And I, I want to try to make sense of it all and try to help you with an encouraging word as well uh, because we really should have the, the joy of the Lord and and I just wanna share that because, you know, the, the enemy is just trying to knock us off course. He knows the direction that you're going. He just wants to knock you off course and, and keep you off the path, amen. And and we just gotta stay on the path. And that's what we've been doing here for, for over twenty years at least. We're staying on the path. Okay? This path is leading us somewhere. The ship is is, is setting sail and we are we are in turbulent waters sometimes, but the ship is gonna make port, amen. We're going to make poor. It's, it, it, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And a lot of people in the Hebrews of the Christian faith have faltered and failed and quit. Amen. I've seen many, many ministries just fold. And it's sad. And we need to be praying and encouraging one another. Amen. Beit Tehila wants to finish. We're finishers. Amen. We're conquerors. We're overcomers, everybody. And it talks about overcoming. What does that mean? You have to overcome something. And you can do it. And, and, and once again, as, as we move forward and as we try to understand these things that are happening, uh, we're going to make sense of some things. We're going to tweak some things today that I think are going to really help you to get you back on course. Amen. So it, it, it's my honor to teach you the 10 days of all and, of course, Yom Kippur. And we can go into great detail, but I want to just kind of keep it simple for you in, in the fact that uh, if you look at, of course, Leviticus uh, 23 and the feast days, uh, it's, it's all right there. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So we have an appointment with Yahweh. We have an appointment with Yahweh. And the appointment actually began in Elul 1 in the sixth month called the season of Teshuvah. So he's calling us to the season that lead to the holy days. You understand what I'm saying? And so we know that right now we are in the 10 days of all because they began last Sunday night to Monday night was Yom Teruah trumpets. And we had an incredible service of, of acclamation of joy and shouting and, and the trumpets blowing. And so there was, a, I think, a major breakthrough in the spirit realm here for us. As that was achieved, we accomplished that. And now we're in the 10 days of all, and it's a great rehearsal as we move forward. So let's look at the 10 days of all. They are from Yom Teruah to Yom Kippur. Amen. You'll see the little arrows here. Yom Teruah to Yom Kippur is the 10 days of all, okay? And once again, don't be overwhelmed, it's simple, it's really, really simple, it's not complicated. And for those of you that are new and you're here and seeds are being planted, your life is about ready to be changed, amen? Amen. So we have the Yom Teruah to Yom Kippur, the 10 days of all, and we're in the midst of it. Uh, It is actually October 3rd to October 12th, does everybody see that? October 3rd to the 12th. It's actually Tishri 1 to Tishri 10, which is the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar, and that's the information for you right there. So how many of you know that uh, in Judaism or the Jewish people are following this calendar? How many of the Jewish people celebrate the feast days? Okay, And, and so with that, you know, They're not Jewish feasts, they're the Lord's feasts, but Christianity is learning about the feasts, you know, and and we're seeing great, great inroads into mainstream Christianity, the feast days, the Sabbath, the shofar, a lot of cool stuff is happening. How many understand what I'm saying? So let's look at the spring feasts. Once again, if you would like this PowerPoint, simply call the office, give Kathy your email, and you don't have to try to keep up. It's good to write down and pay attention, but if I get ahead of you and you're like, oh, rats, it's too fast, uh, I want you to have this PowerPoint. We will email it to you. Amen? Everything I have, you can have. So the spring feasts are Passover, Unleavened Bread, and first fruits, and, of course, we attach Pentecost in there because the counting of the Omer would connect, of course, Passover to Pentecost. How many understand what I'm saying? Uh, It's actually called uh, Shavuot. So how many of the spring feasts have been fulfilled? Amen. Uh, we can see in hindsight and in the plan of redemption that God brought the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt. We see, of course, uh, the first coming of, our, of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Messiah. And, of course, he uh, died and shed his blood for us. And we can, we can say that these spring feasts have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled. Amen. How many understand what I'm saying? So even as we look at Pentecost, which is, of course, the Feast of Weeks, which is Shavuot? We know that on Pentecost in Exodus 19, the Torah was given, Amen. And then, of course, in Acts 2, we were given the gift and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let me say what I'm saying. You know, and, and the times in which we live, everybody, the battle is going to be between the spirits. And all I can say is this: There's only one Holy Spirit. Okay, and either you have the Holy Spirit or you have another spirit. And that's our battle, myself included. You know, I can get frustrated, I can take on a frustrating spirit, or an argumentative spirit, or an angry spirit. And how many of you know that that's not the Holy Spirit? So if you're starting to act a certain way, ask yourself, what spirit do I have? There's a kind of hush. Because see, this is what I'm battling as a leader in here with you. I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to fight what's in you. And so we got to work on, on some things. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And it's, it's not a game. Don't fake it till you make it. That doesn't work. Okay? It does, how many of you know it doesn't work? Why come in here acting a certain way and leaving the same way? Why would you want that? I'm hoping to be changed today. I came in here with whatever I had to come in here with or whatever. But when I leave here, I want to feel better. That's the goal. It's not... To go back to the old things, it's not to keep doing the same things, it's not to have the same spirit, it's to be changed, you know, why? So we can help others, amen? And, and so this is exciting because we can see that this has actually happened, and so now we look at the fall feasts, okay? And I love teaching on two things. I love teaching on the identity of Israel and the feast. it's just, I love it. There's just so much to it. It's so exciting. And and by the way, you know, as as you make aliyah, as we go up in the spirit realm, as we go up in knowledge and wisdom and understanding, and, and as the Father takes us along, I want you to think of your life as a spiral. And you're going higher, but it's cyclical, meaning that we keep doing the same feast days every year. We keep rehearsing them. We keep doing them. But there's greater revelation and a better experience every year. You understand what I'm saying? So just like with myself, as I experienced the the feast as as a single man, as a single person, and I was going up the spiral, it was so exciting, and it got more exciting when I got my wife, and we started to go up the spiral together. And then, next thing you know, you know, there's just a lot of noise going up the spiral. There's this noise and chatter and screaming and yelling, and it's children. So it's getting interesting, right? So as we try to keep our sanity, and we're going up the spiral with our children, you know, and then we have, of course, the congregation. The congregation is going up the spiral. I got my wife and the kids and all of you, and we're going up the spiral. And, And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, this is exciting, and now my pastor friends. Hey, come on, come on. So we, you know, we, we go up the spiral too. So it just never is. It's like this group of people going up the spiral. Why? Because it's a progressive revelation. That's the way God intended it to be. God is into multiplication, not division, not subtraction. He's into multiplication and addition. Amen. I'm excited. We have the Feast of Trumpets that we, of course, experienced last Sunday night to Monday night. How many of you know in the Hallmark calendar, it's called Rosh Hashanah? Have you ever done that in your calendar? What's a Rosh Hashanah? It's ahead of the year in the civil calendar, in the Jewish calendar. What's a Rosh Hashanah ahead of the year? So it's the Feast of Trumpets in the seventh month on the first day. And how many of you know that the shofar has made great inroads into the church? How many of you have seen a shofar in the church? Boy, that's a sign. And going back to this law first mention quickly here, uh, the first time that the shofar was ever blown or the trumpet, once again, as you look at the word trumpet in Exodus 19, 16, that word is shofar. And so it's a ram's horn. And, and so with that, the law of first mention is that that shofar is to alert the bride. Very first connotation. Now, we know as we progressively move through the Torah and the book of Numbers, especially 1010, we know when the shofar is blown, it could be to call an assembly. It could be an alarm, okay? But the, the, the law of first mention would tell us when you hear that shofar, it's for the bride and nobody else. It's literally for the bride. So we have the, the Day of Atonement, which is, of course, coming up uh, Tuesday night. And then we have, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is Sukkot. And, and that will, of course, be, be coming afterwards. So once again, we are rehearsing and we are in the midst of these fall feasts. Your life should evolve around this. My life evolves around Teshuvah. Amen? My whole life evolves around these days, okay? So they go first. They have, they have preeminence. They have priorities. So I've had a lot of opportunities to do this and do that, and I'm, I'm putting it aside. No, I'll, I'll do this later. Right now I'm busy. My, my calendar is booked up with Yahweh. Amen? I can't work you in. I got, I got to do this thing with Yahweh. You know, and there's all kinds of things that we can embark on and do, but I don't want any distractions. I want to focus on what's at hand. So before we can celebrate the fall feasts, we need to go through the 10 days of awe. Amen? And that's what they're called. They're awe, they're you know. And if you look at the Feast of Trumpets, it's one of the most mysterious feast days because we know, once again, that you blow the trumpet as what? As a memorial. And we were asking about what is that memorial, you know? And it's so interesting. Pastor Jay and I have a really great relationship, and we meet every week. And Pastor Don and Paul, and I just want to share something with you that, that how many of you know that the Holy Spirit moves around very effectively? Amen. So when he reveals something to me, he can reveal it to you or to somebody else. And then when somebody comes into your life and starts to share something, and have you, ever, have you ever had that conversation? The Holy Spirit showed me that. The number 10 means a minion. It's the number of Jews required for a service. Amen. So anytime the Jewish people want to go to the wall and do a public prayer or anything like that, or even you'll see them on the airplane, you'll see 10 of them huddled together. And I experienced this personally. Amen. So look at, let's just look at where do they get this minion from. In Genesis 18, you can read this story in verses 23 through 32. What's a minion? What's the 10? What's this about? Well, God said he would not destroy the city if he found 10 righteous men. Does everybody remember that? So let's ask the question, were there 10 righteous men in the city? No. So he couldn't save it, could he? So this is where you get the word minion among the Jewish people with the number 10. how many of you understand that? Let's look at the number 10 in the Bible. You know, it, it, and, and real quickly here, it, I had an experience traveling to Israel one year on the plane, and uh, there were uh, some Jews huddled together, and I, I was going to the restroom, and they said, "Hey, you, you, come, come over here, come over here. We, we need you to, to join us. we need you, in, we need you to, to be here to, so we can pray." So they didn't ask if I was Jewish. They just wanted 10 men on the plane huddled in the corner. And so I just I just got in there with them and they're just praying in Hebrew. I'm like, yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, Hashem, yes. You know, I know a few words, right? But but I thought it was kind of cool that 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 they invited me, and I felt really happy and, and joyful that, you know, they didn't ask for my driver's license or anything like that. But the bottom line is they needed 10 people. And and I didn't understand until after the fact I started counting. Hmm. I make 10. <laughs> so I was the last one to come to the party. But the number 10 in the Bible is quite fascinating. Uh, I like to look at the numbers in the Bible. Number one, the 10 tests of Abraham. How many of think Abraham was tested 10 times? Did he pass the test? Absolutely. Isn't that cool? How many of you feel like you're being tested? Hold on. Let me get that way up there. Wow. You know, I was sharing this at the leadership meeting. I don't think I have it on here, but if you go back and, and actually study it, I have to go back and, and look at it again, but uh, Abraham was tested, of course, 10 times and passed the test, and he, he did very well, amen, and, and, of course, he had his faults. But, but I was looking over at the whole house of Israel, the children of Israel. Uh, they tested the Lord 10 times as a group and failed. So it's so important, and and that's why I stress this, that, and I'm just going to share this from my heart. I could be very successful and obedient, but I never will be without you. So when you say, Well, it doesn't matter what I do, I don't make a difference. Well, that's what Pastor Nick wants to do. I don't care. Do you know that Beit Tehillah as a whole could fail? Do you understand what I'm saying? Think about it, everybody. You do matter. The community matters. You could have a great leader. You could have great leadership. But as a whole, if we're not good together, we'll all be bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so when, when, I, when, I, when I'm sharing this, it's just the fact that I believe that we can pass the tests. Because even if we fail, he gives us a do-over. In golf, it's a mulligan. He'll let you take it again. Because I've experienced this. He doesn't say, oh, you failed, you're done. No, you failed forward, everybody. You fail forward. Maybe you sinned, but you said, man, I did six months without that sin. And I just, I did it again, but I, I went six months. Praise God, you were doing it once a week. Don't beat yourself up. And that's, the, that's the, really the motto of Teshuvah. Don't beat yourself up. Teshuvah is not about beating yourself up. It's not about going after people. It's about reflecting and meditating on what the Father has done through the Son to give us access to the Father and that what He's asking us to do that we can obtain and we can do. There's a maturity here, everybody. There's a responsibility. How many understand what I'm saying? We are a mature, responsible congregation or He wouldn't give us this revelation. He wouldn't ask us to do Teshuvah unless we were mature enough to do it. What if I just went over to Bell Shoals on Sunday and just jumped up on the platform Welcome to Teshuvah, everybody. Are you ready for Teshuvah? You know, they throw me out of there. And it's not, it's not a hierarchy. It's not a pride thing. What I'm saying is that a lot of people are not mature enough for this message. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the message? My pastor friends will ask me, people will ask me, uh, maybe I don't know them, maybe I do know them, or acquaintances or whatever, they'll, they'll ask me, Pastor Nick, what's God doing? I tell them. He's writing Torah on minds and hearts all over the world. See, people are looking for the next move of God, everybody. It is the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. That is the move of God. It's the last move of God. That's it, everybody. This is it. But how do you define it? How do you walk in it? How do you have the spirit in it? You could take any move of God and pervert it and twist it and throw it in the mud, any move of God. But that's not what we're going to do. We're going to properly interpret it, properly walk it out, and have the spirit as we do it. And that's why Beit to heal is different than this movement. How many understand what I'm saying? We have a different approach. We have a different style. Abraham's servant journeyed with 10 camels, When pursuing a bride for Isaac, does everybody see that? Remember, when God divided the kingdom, it was a 10 to 2 ratio. I'm telling you right now, this is just biblical, just biblical insight. God divided the kingdom, 10 to 2 ratio. Read it for yourself. He divided it. He's putting it back together. So this number 10 is alluding to some cool stuff, isn't it? The 10 lost tribes. How many of them are not lost? God knows where they're at. The ten plagues upon Egypt. One plague for each Egyptian god. How many understand what I'm saying? You know there's a god over the Nile? What did did God do? He contaminated it. Amen? The lice, the frogs, all these things. How many of those ten commandments? Ten lavers in Solomon's temple. And what did the laver hold? Water for purification for ceremonial cleansing, just like the mikvah. Ten candlesticks in Solomon's temple, amen? Ten candlesticks in Solomon's temple, or, or ten menorahs. The candlestick is also a menorah, like you see the one on top of the ark. Let's continue on. How about ten kings? Are you familiar with 10 kings in Daniel 7, 24, and 25, and in Revelation 17, 12? How many of you are familiar with the prophecy in Daniel of 10 kings that will arise in the last days? You know what I find fascinating? Here's the 10 lost tribes versus the 10 kings. 10 means a minion. So, once again, what I want to submit to you in just basically Prophecy 101, just basic prophecy, is as we study the book of Daniel, which is the skeleton of prophecy, if we just look at the, the, the prophecies in Daniel, and I'm not going to get into all of them, I'm just going to give you the, the gist of it, we know that there are four kingdoms that will cover the earth. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? There's four kingdoms. There were the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Have you heard the term the revived Roman Empire, okay? It makes sense. That's a good term. That's very good. That's a very good term, the revived Roman Empire. And we know within that empire, there was an Eastern Empire and a Western Empire. How many understand what I'm saying? So as you study the kingdoms, as you study the metals that make up this image, and as you, of course, study the body parts, we know that the longest-running kingdom, it was the Romans. Why? The legs are the longest part of the body. Remember, it was the head of gold, chest and arms of silver, uh, the, the, the belly and the thighs of brass, and then your legs would represent that. Now, as we notice in this image, uh, we know that there are 10 kings, just like it says here. Now, we know that in this image, we go what? We're in the heels prophetically. Most uh, prophecy scholars would say that as you study the image in Daniel, we are actually in the heels Of this, which is moving towards what? The ten toes. How close are we? I believe this next year is going to be incredible for those that are obedient, for those that love Yahweh and have the right spirit. I'm telling you, it's going to be your best year. But if it's not you and you don't follow that, it could be your worst year. And once again, God always creates circumstances in the earth to gain his children to get to his children, he'll always create these circumstances. It doesn't matter what it is, he'll cause a famine. I'm going to move my family to Egypt to save them. Why? So that they can be with Joseph. The famine's a bad news. Who wants a famine? It was worldwide. Even Jacob had to send his kids down to Egypt to get some food. Why? Because there was going to be a reunion, amen? So the circumstances that are going to happen in the earth on the outside look bad and terrible, but to God, he's like, yes, my plan is coming together. I mean, this is what I'm being prepared for. God's perfect will. Sometimes he has to force his hand. You understand what I'm saying? So there's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. He said, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the land and the sea. And you know what? Did you know that that's how you get fruit off the tree? He's going to shake you. Right? He's going to shake you. There's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. Why? Because he's going to receive the glory. Getting your attention. So you'll never know who the Antichrist is, everybody. And this is the fascinating thing. Take prophecy literally. You don't have to spiritualize it. It's not types and shadows. There is going to be an Antichrist. Mark my words. Why? Because there's an unholy Godhead, right? The beast, the dragon, right? The false prophet. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, and like I said, there's a lot of controversy over the Trinity. Uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They're three in one. It's the Godhead, okay? But what I want to submit to you is that there's going to be ten kings that rise up, and you'll never know who the Antichrist is until he usurps three of those ten. How many understand what I'm saying? So you can speculate all you want, and yeah, there's types and shadows of, of, of Antichrists. Hitler was a type of Antichrist. Uh, Emperor Nero was a type of antichrist. You know, and you can go on and on and on, but, but what I'm saying to you is that we'll have to wait and see. Amen? The letter Yod is the 10th letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And what does the letter Yod signify? The hand. The hand. Now isn't that interesting? The letter Yod is the 10th letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and it means hand. And if you put up two hands, how many fingers do you have? Wow. Ten fingers and ten toes. Once again, in 1 Kings 11, 31 and 35, you have the ten tribes. How about the parable of the ten virgins? Are you familiar with that? The parable of the ten virgins and five are what? They're, they're wise, but five are Foolish. So going back to the Spirit, five of them had oil in their lamps. Five of them did not. Five literally thought that they could do something at the last minute. Like me going to Walmart Thursday evening after the mikvah because my wife asked for bread. How many of you know that there was no bread on the shelf? I thought I could do it at the last minute. I'll do the mikvahs and I'll run by and I'll get some bread. The bread shelves were wiped out. I felt like a foolish virgin. So I looked around, looked around, and I found a loaf of wheat in the back. It really wasn't what my wife wanted, but I did get a loaf of bread. So it made me feel like, you know, if I had just got here earlier, I could have got exactly what she wanted. And that's what's going to happen in the last days. If I just would have went through that door when I was supposed to, I wouldn't be in the mess I'm in. I just have this urgency, everybody. There's 10 men mentioned in the Bible in in Zechariah 8.23. This is fascinating. I love this. Let's read this together. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that 10 men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. What is that alluding to? What is that a picture of? The ten lost tribes. Being drawn to the Jewish people. Grabbing the tzitzits of the Jew. How many of you know that if you're grabbing the tzitzits of the Jew, you love the Jew? Because if you didn't love them, you wouldn't be reaching out to touch them and grab them. How many of you love the Jewish people? I'm in love with them. That's why I can play Jewish music in here. That just gets that spirit of anti-Semitism out of here. Because if you didn't like that song, you got a spirit of anti-Semitism. You know, I mean, if you could just sit there and play the guitar and sing Lie, 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 you're talented, amen? <laughs> what's the name of that song? It's called Lie, Lie, Lie. But the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because what's going to happen in the times ahead, there's going to be those that love Israel and those that hate Israel. There's going to be a dividing line. and We have to decide as a congregation, what are we going to do? Now, if you you look at Zechariah, Zechariah is, of course, the bridge from Daniel, the book of Daniel, to the book of Revelation. So once you read Daniel and get into that, it's really been open and revealed. That book, the book of Daniel, is no longer sealed. It's open. It's opened. And you can study it. It's fascinating. It's incredible. And then, of course, Zechariah is the bridge to the book of Revelation. It all ties in together. So this is kind of cool, isn't it? I mean, remember when there was a, a, a prophecy in there about the Messiah, that there would be what? Healing in his wings. And that's a reference to tzitzitz. Now, in the Greek, it talks about the hem of the garment because they didn't have a, a, a term or a word for tzitzitz in the Greek. So when the woman reached out for the hem of his garment, she was reaching for his tzitzitz. And when she grabbed his tzitzitz, virtue left him and went into her. She received something. See, she knew the prophecy, but she had to take an action. Like you can say Shabbat Shalom, but are you really doing Shabbat? The action has to come with the instruction. You can say happy Teshuvah, Teshuvah, but are you in Teshuvah? Are you in Teshuvah? See, you're learning to deny yourself, everybody. We all get distracted. We all get on social media. We all have this technology, and we have TV and music and all these things that we can just be enraptured with. But you've got to deny yourself in the seasons that God has and say, I can, I can go to that later or whatever. I can watch that movie later. Right now, I'm in Teshuvah. Amen? Be in Teshuvah. It's exciting. to the church in Smyrna. Let's look at Revelation 2.10. Let's read it. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Amen. The number 10 once again in all of these uh, churches the seven churches in the book of Revelation, they're all found in the modern-day country of Turkey. Isn't that interesting? Is Turkey in the news? So building on the case of the number 10, ah, ah, ah. That's for the little ones. Um, Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15.6. Let's read this together. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, some are falling asleep. Now as we look at this verse in, in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, who was seen above 500? Who was it? Yeshua, Jesus, it was Yeshua. He showed himself to 500 people. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. He wasn't. No respecter of persons. He showed himself to over 500 people. Who knows who experienced him and everything. Can you imagine that? He just comes out of the wall, whoa, hey! hey, hey. Hey, I'm Yeshua. (laughs) I guess so. I can't go through the wall. Just shows up. You're walking down the trail. There's nobody around. and He just shows up on the road of man. Hey, what are you doing? That's how he'll do in your life. He might pop up in your life when you least expect it. Or you might entertain angels unawares because that's what's happening. He's trying to get our attention. So he showed himself to 500 people. We know this. But let's look at Acts 1.3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Even after the resurrection, he was pushing the kingdom of God, wasn't he? Because it's at hand, it's near. So let's put this all together. He showed himself to how many people? 500 for how many days? days for 40 days and now let's look at acts 1 15. and in those days peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said and the number of names together were about 120 so if he showed himself to 500 people and he showed himself for 40 days how many days did they have to wait for the promise 10 10 So I thought this was kind of interesting. It's just a little theory. So if he showed himself to 500 people, how come there was only 120 in the upper room? Did some people get distracted during those 10 days? Do you have distractions in your life right now? Distractions are frustrating. And they really don't solve anything. Did you know that? Distractions aren't worth a a hill of beans. They're not worth nothing. They're not wor- distractions aren't worth it. And you'll discover that as you give your time to a distraction, you'll look back and say, man, that was a distraction. But you should catch it at the past. You should catch it in the beginning so we can, we can see how this is play out. So, so this is played out right now, right, isn't it? The t- ten days of all? Yeah. Amen? Let's continue on here. The ten days of awe begin with Yom Teruah and end on Yom Kippur. These are called the ten days of repentance. Once again, the, the feast days are a holy convocation. It's the Hebrew word mikra. It means a rehearsal, okay, public assembly. And, and, and what I find very interesting, and I was sharing this with my pastor friends, I said, you know, the feast days and, and, and of course, the Sabbath, I said, uh, we are commanded to come together, amen. Uh, You're not commanded to just come together on any day. You're commanded to come together on the Sabbath and the feast days and the new moons. Actually, it's a commandment. So when you say, well, I don't want to come together, you're breaking the commandment. Even if you don't know it, you're breaking the commandment. Let's say you're in the church and then you just leave the church. You just leave the group of people. You've broken the commandment. I mean, it's it's like when he says the body of Christ, he means it. And that's one of the biggest problems we have right now, uh, e- even in the times in which we live, that the, the, the thought or the concept of community is not growing, it's dying. Okay? And, and so that's why we have to raise up the next generation in here and get them involved. They have to be a part of us. They have to contribute. They have to give a message. They have to give an encouraging word. They need to be praying for us. They need to be worshiping and leading worship. They need to be on the media team and doing sound. And and our young people need to be actively involved with it in in childcare, hospitality. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Because they're a part of the community. They are. Well, when you're 18. No, I say when you're 12. Right? When you're 12. And you'll see young boys in the nursery. You'll see young boys in childcare. Why? Because we're a community. And they need to know that they're important and that they do have a say. Young people, you have a say in this church. And you can share your thoughts. You can share your heart with us. Amen? You're not a spectator. So the Jewish sages teach from, from Yom Teruah to the Day of Atonement, it's going to be interesting how it plays out, but I'm just sharing with you what the Jewish sages teach, that in this time period, there's three classes of people. There are the righteous, the wicked, and the intermediates. The righteous are already sealed in the book of life. The wicked are already condemned, but the intermediates are those people that have not made up their mind. They're not righteous yet, and they're not wicked. They're in between. Amen? So you have to decide what class of people do you want to be. I want to be among the righteous. The righteousness of Christ. Amen? So just think about that. Once again on Yom Teruah, the gates are opened. That's what's cool. But in the evening of October the 12th, after Yom Kippur at sunset, the gates are going to close. Which side of the gate do you really want to be on? I want to be in the kingdom. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. This is the two verses found on the feast day of Yom Kippur. Let's read it together. Also on the 10th day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you. And you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And you shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement. To make an atonement for you before the Lord God. Now, once again, you know I have actually uh, been involved in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. I would say uh, 21 years, over 20 years. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have been involved in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith for over 20 years. Some of you may be even longer than me. But how many of you know that's a long time? How many of you that something's building up in the earth? So with, with the, the, the culture and with everything that the earth is doing and, and the governments and the culture, how many of you know that even more so shall we be enlightened to the revelation of God? So this is fascinating because this is, of course, a, a day that, that you fast. It's a solemn assembly and it's the only feast day that, that you actually fast. And, and what I want to submit to you, if you, if you do this study, and I don't have time to go into it right now. But the Day of Atonement was created because of the golden calf incident. Now, you'll find it in Exodus chapter 32. And you're going to find that Moses interceded for the people. This is some of the things that I've been learning throughout the years, the last few years. The Lord's teaching me about intercession. And, and, and what I want to submit to you is that uh, there, there is documentation in the Word of God that, that Moses ascended up the mountain twice for intercession Once he went up to get the the tablets, amen, and when he came down on the golden calf incident, I mean, he broke them. He was dismayed. He was just really, really upset because two things happened in the golden calf incident. The camp was contaminated because of sexual immorality and idolatry. It was just totally tainted, and then the people were corrupted. So two things were corrupted in the golden calf incident. The very camp that they came into and they lived in, and the people themselves were corrupted. And so he broke these commandments. He just went up to get them. They said, all that you say to do, Lord, we will do. So he says, okay. He goes to the people. I'll be back. Well, When he didn't come back like they thought he was going to come back, they started to mess up. And that's what happens when you don't have leadership. It's a free-for-all. And and they even say among the Jewish sages that you hear about her in the Bible. Then after the golden calf incident, you don't hear about her anymore. You don't hear about him anymore. Amen? You just don't hear about him anymore. The biggest thing you could ever learn today is this. Acknowledge the son before you take care of your weaknesses. Quit getting worked up over yourself. Look at what the son has done. And that was the whole reflection, we're going to talk about that, why we're doing what we're doing. What are the instructions? You need to hear from God, everybody. You have the right to hear from God. You have a right to know what God is asking of you. You have a right to know what you're supposed to be doing. I refuse to be a hireling. I refuse to come up here and just get a paycheck every week. You deserve a word from God. And maybe it's not what you want. I can't help that. I remember years ago when I was reading the Gospels and everything, got into this movement, and I, and I was just, I'm just going to tell you my, my testimony real quick here. I'm going to tell you what happened to me, and this is why I'm not right. <laughs> Seriously. I said, Father, why was your son so mad? He's turning tables over. He's livid. He's going off. He's, he's making whips. How many of you know that you could turn a few tables over, but when you make a whip you know, the money changers and, and all the things he did, you brutal. Your father's Satan. He's telling us the Jewish leadership. And I was a worship leader. So I'm thinking, wow, I hope you don't whip me or something. So I, I, I made a vow. When when Pastor Randy passed away and I became the senior pastor, I made a vow to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I saw what, what you did in, in the gospels against the leadership and how upset you were and Why were you so upset? He said, because they wouldn't tell the truth. So I said, Lord, I make a vow to you. Since I'm in this position, I'm going to tell the truth. And you won't turn over my tables, and you won't have to whip me. And that's the vow I made, everybody. So it's not a popular message. So I'm not into sensationalism. I'm not into the next mysteries of the Bible or anything. I'm telling you that you need to know the truth. And, and and if I project something or say something and it's false, then I'm a false prophet. But if I'm giving you instruction for the love of Christ, keep the instruction. Some of you don't take me seriously, and that's that's your fault. I hope you take me seriously. Because we're in serious times. I'm telling you, I have an urgency. I'm not fearful, I'm not scared, but inside of me is an urgency that I can't afford to mess up. I can't afford not to hear from God right now. There are terrible, terrible things happening in the earth. And God wants to keep us safe. God wants to give us wisdom. So just keep that in mind. Because of our fallen nature, because of the golden calf incident, we have the Day of Atonement, and you can put it all together But let's look at some of the names, themes, and idioms of Yom Kippur. Names, themes, and idioms. Let's look at this. It's Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. How about the initials D-O-A? Dead on arrival. Dead man walking. Dead on arrival, D-O-A. How about face-to-face? It's another name for Yom Kippur. That's pretty intense, isn't it? How about the day or the great day? Have you seen that reference? It's called the fast. And people ask me all the time what kind of fast? It's a total fast, folks. You do what you want. If you're taking medication or whatever, be careful. But if you have to drink water, drink water. But, but you know, as, as for me, I do the total fast. I'm able to do it, I can do it, but just do what the Spirit leads you to do. But I want to tell you that the fast is a total fast. Amen. The great shofar, shofar Hagadol. Amen. You've probably heard that term, the last trump, at the last trump. And then Jubilee is announced. We won't be able to get into all that, but but that's when all debts are forgiven. That's when the inheritance is given. Isn't that the awesome thing? Nila, and this is it, the closing of the gates. So I want to submit to you that we have an appointment with God every week called the Sabbath, but when the feast days come, we, we even have more of an appointment with God. So we have an appointment with God. So, Kippur means ransom by means of substitute. Kippur means ransom by means of a substitute. So, we're living in a culture, in a society, that that's, there's a lot of atheists and, and people don't believe in God and they're little gods and they're running. How many of you know we're in trouble? Because we not only believe in God, but we say He's holy. So, when we want to be holy, We make other people uncomfortable with that. And it's not that we would ask them to be holy or you need to be holy. We're being holy. It puts the pressure on them. It's like putting salt in a wound. And that's what happens because you're the salt of the earth. And they have wounds from hurts in the world and bad decision making. And when you come up against them, that salt gets in them. they, (laughs) They do. You don't even have to say anything. I've been in a room. People bite me. Have you had your shots? Because it's the spirit realm. That room gets all jacked up because you walked into it. You know? I mean, I've walked into a room one time and just, everybody was just staring at me, just staring at me. And I'm like, that was creepy. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? I mean, it's creepy. But because another spirit just entered the room, that's not that spirit. It's going down, everybody. It's going down. It's going down. So we have this golden calf incident, and they worship the calf because they were familiar with the calf, and the calf was worshipped in Egypt. How many understand what I'm saying? They worshiped the calf so much that they they took it to tell Dan and Bethel, hey, two calves. See what was in them? Like a dog returning back to its vomit. The two goats of Yom Kippur. Here we go. Lots were cast by the high priest for the two goats. One lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat called Azazel. This is Leviticus chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. Once again, lots were cast by the high priest for the two goats. One lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat, Azazel. Leviticus 16, verses 7 and 8. How many of you know we need Bible revival? Let's continue on. Oh, this is good stuff. One goat is chosen to be sacrificed to purge the shrine of any similar defilement stimulated by misdeeds of the whole Israelite people. Leviticus 16 verses 7 and 8. Does anybody see that? So one goat is chosen to be sacrificed to purge the shrine of any similar defilement stimulated by misdeeds of the whole Israelite people. So this is why it's so important that we keep Beit Tehillah, this sanctuary, a temple, a holy place. We don't play bingo in here. We don't bust out with pizza party in here. We don't have rollerblading. This is a holy place. And I'm telling you right now, that's why some people will come and visit, and they hightail it out after a certain time because they cannot take the presence of God anymore. They want something that's pleasurable, exciting, whatever. They don't want to sit in the presence of God because of that spirit that's in them can't stay in here. And that's what we want to create, that it's only for the Holy Spirit. So any other spirit has to leave this place. Through the word, through prayer, through worship, we can chase out the spirits. And see, when you guys are coming in from the world and all your experiences throughout the week, I mean, this place is just full of stuff. And so we gotta work through it and we gotta press in and we gotta pray and, and and get the Holy Spirit and, and drop our bucket into the well and start bringing it up and taking a drink. That's why our services are even longer. Now, have you noticed that? I didn't intend for that. I don't know how you could have a 45-minute service. I'm still fighting with my wife for the first 30. Right? I'm trying to get kids in the van for 15, 20 minutes. Get in the van. So then I get here, and and there's, you know, two songs and a scripture and announcements, and and you go home. I'm I'm still mad. Two of my kids are still missing. It doesn't matter because we'll be back in 30 minutes. They're still in the driveway with their phone. Oh, hey, Dad. Oh, church is over. Okay. But when you got to sit in a room for three hours, oh, baby, I'm going to find out what you're made of. We're going to find out what you're made of. This is good stuff. Let's look. That's number one. Number two. Let's read it. Let's look at this. Next slide. Number two. The second goat is sent away, not sacrificed, to cleanse the people themselves. The goat is marked as Azazel and is sent away into the wilderness. There's actually a Mount Azazel where they push the goat off the mountain. Amen. Now, what I find fascinating, you know, let Scripture interpret Scripture and do some research, and I thought this was kind of interesting as, as, we, as we look at this. Let's, let's look at the... And, of course, this is found in Leviticus 16, 10. Let's look at this picture of the two goats. So I want to make this perfectly clear. So So one goat is offered up for what? For the sanctuary, for the defilement of the place. And so the other goat... Hands are laid upon that goat for the sins of what? For all the people. And that goat's called what? Azazel. Now, where do you get this name Azazel? If you, if you look at the book of Enoch, Azazel was the chief demon. So here's the thought process. How do we come up with the occult? How do we learn about the occult? Who gave us the occult? Fallen angels, as is El. He's the chief demon. Who gave us the pharmakia and all this other stuff? Fallen angels. One-third of the angels were fallen. How many of I'm saying? They, there was a coup. They went with Satan. And see, this whole season, and this is what's, if I had to pick one word for this season, it's not Teshuvah. it's none of that. It's atonement. And in this culture, we don't understand atonement. There's no atonement. There's Just say whatever you want to say, do whatever you want to do, and it's it's okay. That's just how I am. And even just recently, you know, uh, a candidate's comments recorded. It's wrong. If I were to speak what these people are speaking, I would tell you right now, that is wrong. That is horribly, horribly wrong. You know, it was the word of God spoken out of his mouth that created the heavens and the earth. So when you speak those terrible things, you're speaking death. Young people, what are you speaking? You wonder why you're stuck or whatever, tormented. It's probably because of your speech. Change your speech, you change the atmosphere. So we see these, these two goats, The main purpose for Yom Kippur is for corporate forgiveness. Corporate forgiveness. Let's look at that slide. The main purpose for Yom Kippur is for corporate forgiveness. Now, let me ask all of you a question. And this dawned on me at the mikvah pool. I had so many revelations. It was unbelievable. I was just sitting out by the water. I thought maybe I could take a nap in between mikvahs. It was like so exciting with God, just me and him at the pool. It was so quiet, you know, and just, oh, it was incredible. But I started thinking about this corporate forgiveness. And we're asking everyone to come to the mikvah pool and 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 so what what happened was this, I started thinking about Passover and the children of Israel. Did he bring out one person out of Egypt? He brought out a nation. So he brought us out of the world, didn't he? When you became born again, right, you realized the world was not your friend. I am not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I mean if you understand what I'm saying? So would you agree that he took out a nation of people out of, out, of, out of Egypt? So as a group, and he pulled you out of the world, he brought you in here, you're important. So if he brought us all out of Egypt and out of the world, and he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, for his namesake, for his purposes, how much more are we to walk towards Yom Kippur together and be humble? just be humble as a people, not one person, not just me, but all of us together coming with humility. Just as humble as the one to the left or the right of us, we just come because we know that we have sinned. We're not looking at everybody else. We're not out to call out everybody else. We're we're, we're called to come out corporately together, amen? So look at Leviticus 16, 34. Let's read this together. Let's read it. This shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. It's Leviticus 16.34. Does everybody see that? So who is the atonement for? The day of atonement, who's it for? Israel. Or are you grafted in? Do you believe that you are Israel then the day of atonement is for you. It's a big deal. Because with identity comes a lifestyle. With a lifestyle comes an identity. That's why when you go out into the world or with your coworkers or with your family and they want you to do certain things or celebrate certain things or eat certain things, you say, I can't do that. I've chosen not to do that. And they pull this on you. Well, you used to do it. Yeah, I used to do a lot of things. Yeah, I was going to hell too. And that's when it gets quiet. But you know what? I don't really like the heat. I know I'm going to heaven because I lived in Florida. So if you want to write this down, in Leviticus chapters 1 through 17, it is the way to God. God. You're making your way to God. Chapters 1 through 17, Leviticus. You're making your way to God. You know, you're you're going on the yellow brick road. You know, you're going and you're making your way. But chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So as you break down the book of Leviticus, it is the meat of Torah, it's my favorite book. You never hear Leviticus taught or preached. They won't touch that with a 10-foot pole. If I had to have any book of the Bible, it would be Leviticus. Because it's the middle of the Torah. It's the meat. What if you asked for a double cheeseburger and all they gave you was two pieces of bread and the cheese and the tomatoes and the lettuce? Would you rise up? Well, that's what we do. We're eating a cheeseburger without the cheeseburger, and we're fine. This is great. (laughs) Really? Let me put some meat in there for you. Whoa! And that's what happened with the Leviticus for me. I get the double cheeseburger. So, think about it. If the feasts are in Leviticus chapter 23... Is that the way to God, or is it the walk with God? It's the walk with God. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that when you make His appointments, your appointments, you're walking with God. I've never felt closer to God than at the mikvah pool. It was an incredible experience. I literally thought I was going to lay down, take a nap, and all this cool stuff, and and maybe I was I was even going to read my you know my my little book I bought different, some things, and, or, or, you know, catch up on, edit my teaching, I'm telling you, I was just in his presence, I couldn't do anything else, I just was in the chair, you know, and I was just thinking, and the curtains were, and the water's rippling, and I was just in his presence, it was the greatest thing, and every now and then I had visions of small children jumping on me too, you know, they weren't there, there was just my vain imaginations, but I was just waiting, this is heaven, this is too good, There's nobody jumping in my lap. Wow. Sit by a body of water and do nothing. When was the last time you did that? i got to move on now. Yeshua is our high priest. Amen? He couldn't die on the Day of Atonement. Well, if he was the Messiah, he would have died on the Day of Atonement. I don't think so. The Day of Atonement was created because we messed up after we were in covenant. He ain't going to cover that. And by the way, he's not a goat. We're the goats. Or maybe just a stubborn sheep. I don't know. So this is all building up to the mikvah. Why? Because it's about a person. So Yeshua is our high priest. So I began to, to research this and look at this because, wow, here's the day of atonement. We need, What should we be doing? And so let's look at Hebrews 2.17. Let's read it. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. See, if we don't learn to recognize and acknowledge each other and respect each other, you will never respect and acknowledge the Son of God. You won't. You won't do it. Because if you can do that with each other, I know you're doing it with Him. You say you're right with God, but you're not right with people. You're not right with God. God proves that. He says, make it right with your brother, then bring your gift to me. He cares that much about your relationship with one another. Look at Hebrews 4.15. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You can't go to him and say, Lord, you don't understand. All I can say is this. I don't have nails in my hands, in my feet. Nobody put a crown of thorns on my head. Nobody stabbed me with a spear and blood and water came out. And and by the way, I never, ever had to carry all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, on my body. I don't want to hear, you got it rough. You don't understand. Listen, I'm telling you, the, the cross is the central point of everything. People look towards the cross, and now we look back to the cross. The cross will never go away, folks. It is a focal point, it's a bloody gospel. But because of the laws, the spiritual laws, all these things had to happen because of the spiritual laws, because from God comes all the spiritual laws. You cannot break the spiritual laws, everybody. You can't break the spiritual laws. So the Day of Atonement should be celebrated today. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Let's read it. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Just look at that. Look at that. So who was the only person that had access to the the Holy of Holies? The high priest? Only once a year. We all sat back and, and watched this unfold, and he would go in there. And there was the mediator, right? There was the high priest. Once a year, he could only go in there once a year. Because of Yeshua, you can go into the Holy of Holies every single day. Boldly come to the throne of grace, not in fear or dread or he's mad at me or I don't want to get near him because he might say something, but you run to the throne of grace. It's about a person. But let's continue to read because I'm going to get to the testimony here. Let's continue to read those verses. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Here it is. Let's read it. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see that? Does it say your body's washed with pure water? So it, it, as we look back, on this day of atonement, the high priest washed his body and put on new clothes. So there's this. this does everybody see the ceremony? This is in context, not out of context. Our bodies washed with pure water. Look at this. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And what's the faith? That Yeshua made a way. Now, how many of that blows the Jewish people away? that the Son of God could do all of that and all I have to do is believe in Him? How many of that just blew the Jewish people away? Do you have faith to believe that? The Jews probably need more faith than we do because they weren't brought up in that. They don't understand that. They're blinded. I mean, how many of you understand what I'm saying? Your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. Have you made things right with God and with each other? Is there something that you need to make right? Make it right today. The mikvah pool pulls out your conscience. mikvahs my first mikvah was back in i believe it was like 97 we went to israel and i felt led to go into the water and i didn't know why and i said i'm baptized i'm not going in there but i did i went and i went under the water i came out of the water and i came back home and i started studying ceremonial cleansing mikvahs and that's what it was it was led by the spirit so then when Pastor Randy died, I started praying and asking God, how do I lead this congregation? What do you want us to do, Father? What are the requirements? What are the instructions, Lord? What do you want us to do? Because it's important that we have an action towards the feast day. So, so this is what it was. Our bodies washed with pure water. I discovered it. We've been doing it ever since. We started off with like 12 people at Pastor Tikva's house. We, we just had 12 people. It, it's built up. L- let me tell you something. We had over 100 mikvahs. That's the most ever. I'm not into nickels and noses, but let I me mean, have, have you know that if something doesn't increase, it's not God. If it's of God, it should increase. Come on. If it's of God, it should increase. Over 100 mikvahs. And those that did it will never be the same. You're going to have the most awesome year you could imagine just by going in the water. We talked about this at the leadership meeting. Remember the one person who had leprosy? Was it Naaman? Or you want to be healed, you got to dunk yourself seven times. Well, come on, back off, man. Tell that man to come out here and tell me this myself. No, he's going to pray for me. If we're going to do this. He's going to spit on me or punch me in the stomach, and I'm going to be healed. And that's what he's going to do. I ain't going in a water doing seven times. And what did the guy say to Naaman? Just go and do what the man said. Just go do what he said. And that's how you guys treat me sometimes. I tell you to do something, and you won't even do it. I told you to do a mikvah. You could have done it, some of you. Some of you didn't. I told you to do it. You blew me off. You hurt my feelings. I'm sorry. I give you the instruction and you blow me off. It's upsetting. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's upsetting. So think about this, everybody. Wow, Pastor Nick, that's harsh. No, because I love you. God chastises those that he loves. I want you to think about this with me, if you will. The first time Yeshua came, there was a man, John the Baptist. Amen? He was called John the Immerser. And what was his message? Repentance. Teshuvah. Return and repent. So he's out there preaching repentance, which I believe he was preaching the Torah, bringing people back to the Torah and all that. He's the one crying in the wilderness. You understand what I'm saying? And people go out to the wilderness to get that message. Imagine that. In the Judean wilderness. Here, honey, I saved a rock for our family. Right? Come on, we're going to hear John the Baptist. I heard that last week. Come on, we're going to go again. Well, what are you saying, Pastor Nick? The same thing happened at the mikveh pool. We're teaching repentance and mikvahs. You're not going to get anything else, folks. You're not going to get anything else every year. This is what you're going to get. Why? Because that was the first thing that happened the first time he came so what do you think we should be doing the next time he comes back yeah. but this is what we do we try to create something let's recreate the wheel there's nothing new under the sun he's gonna want Teshuva and mikvahs everybody hopefully next year you'll get it because that was your warning i'm sorry i don't make this stuff up i don't make this up folks this is the real deal this is heaven or hell Blessing or cursing, it's your choice. It's not mine, it's yours. I've already made up my mind. I go to the mikveh pool for two days. I take my time and go out there and sit by the mikveh pool for two days because it's grown to that, and the bowman's open up their home. Think about it. Look at Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Look, look, let's finish it up here. Keep it in context. Let's read it. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Remember we talked about the name of Yom Kippur, one of the names or idioms, the day the day of atonement. We could say the day of the Lord. I'm not trying to take it out of context. There is a day of the Lord. There is a day coming. So let me ask you something. When was the last time you encouraged somebody? So if you're down and you're going through something, we should encourage one another. Hey, you're in Teshuvah. You can do this. I believe in you. We can do it. Let's pray together. Let's go to the mikveh pool together. Let's do this. Amen. It says it right here. And how has the church used that verse? Oh, you have to come together. That's what it says. You're taking it out of context. You're coming together for a purpose in the context of the Scriptures. This is good stuff. Isn't it good stuff? Come on. Because we're going to research it. Look at Leviticus 16.4. What about this washing in mikvah? Is this a big deal? Yes. Jesus mikvahed. John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to do this. He says, you do this, John, for righteousness' sake. Why? Because when he went down in the water and came up, he started the priesthood. He's the priest now. He washed his body in water. He can start his ministry. I'm telling you, this is awesome stuff. Jesus could niff it, but you you can't. Shame on us. Look. He shall put on the holy linen coat. He shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with a linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. See, when you guys went in the mikveh pool and you came out, you put on a new garment. You literally have, I mean, come on. How many of you felt a change when you were in the mikveh pool? Come on. Be honest. Just raise your hand. You felt a change. I was like floating home. It was a lot of rain, but I was floating home. It was just, I can't explain it, it was like I was in another realm. And he made a way for us to do it. Look at some interesting facts about Yom Kippur, we're finishing up here. Some interesting facts about Yom Kippur, look at this, number one, the high priest dressed all in white. So when we ask you to wear all white, that's why. But you don't have to. Amen. Look at this. Number two, only time the name of Hashem was spoken aloud. Only time the name of Hashem was spoken aloud. So there's a lot of argument over the sacred name and everything. Let me understand what I'm saying. I call him Abba Father. Father's the best name that I have for my father, for God, because I need a father. Look at three. The year of Jubilee was announced on this feast. All Credit cards are canceled. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's excitement now, folks. The only feast day that you fast, number four. Number five, the only time the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies. Imagine that. It's just the ark in the Holy of Holies. How many understand what I'm saying? The altar of incense is on the other side of the curtain. So they did the incense. They got the bread and the candlestick going. This is good stuff. Number six, it's the sixth feast, it's the number of man. Sixth feast, it's the number of man. Isaiah 52, 15, let's look at this prophecy here. Let's read it. So shall he sprinkle many nations, the king shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. It's, it's, it's something to do with a new heart and water. New heart and Water. And they're saying that when the spear went into the side of Yeshua and blood and water came out, it was a sign of a heart attack. Jesus died from a broken heart. Surgeons have evaluated the stress and and, and the pressures of being on a cross and all these things. and, And they're basically saying that the clues would indicate that Yeshua died of a heart attack. Look at Matthew 25, verses 32 and 33. Let's read this together. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. So you see where he's pulling out of people for his name's sake? You're coming out of the nations, everybody, as non-Jews. All ethnic groups and nationalities are coming out of the nations because we want to be the nation of Israel. Why? Because these other nations are going to be goat nations, and they're going to be judged. What nations are treating Israel correctly? Amen? All nations will come against Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even America is going to come against Israel. It's already happening. It's already there. Now, there is a movement to support Israel among, I believe, politicians and some parties and and groups of people. But I'm telling you, for the most part, all nations are coming against Israel. So here it is. On Rosh Hashanah, it is written. On Yom Kippur, it is sealed. So the gates are open right now, everybody. The gates are open for you to get insight and for you to get direction. Because after October 12th, when the sun goes down, the gates are going to close. I don't make this stuff up. So on Rosh Hashanah, it is written. On Yom Kippur, it is sealed. Last picture, amen. So once again, I, I've been teaching this, sharing this for over 20 years, and I'm telling you, every year, new revelation, new insight. It's never been boring, never. Never. I always go into the feast and I know the things that I know and I'm growing and I'm learning, but he always gives me more. And even being at the mikveh pool, I got more revelation, more thoughts. Why? To help propel me to my destiny. Every revelation leads to a revolution. And that's what has to happen. You need a revolution in your life, you need to break up that monotony. And that's what's happening in the earth today. There's a shaking going on, the stage is being set for the Antichrist even up in North Africa. Look at geographically speaking in the prophecies of Daniel when it talks about North Africa. Amen? It talks about different areas, geographically speaking. Even in the book of Ezekiel, the Battle of Gog and Magog. Write down those nations, and look what's happening in the earth today. The stage is being set for the Antichrist, everybody. When you had people in leadership for 40, 30 years, and now they're deposed, and there's a vacuum for leadership, and it's civil war, and all this stuff is going on, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I mean, if you would have even study the city of Benghazi, because to the west is, is Tripoli, but, but Benghazi, I mean, that's a, that's a place that's got a reputation historically of murder and crime, going back to the time of the Romans. So, Father, we thank you that Yeshua is our covering. He's our high priest. Father, we just stop and we just acknowledge in your Son, Yeshua, in whom you are well pleased. Oh, Father, forgive us for focusing so much on ourselves and, and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, and even our own weaknesses and how we just, we just camp out there. Forgive us, Father, for not acknowledging your Son, because I know that when we acknowledge your Son, you acknowledge us. So, Father, right now, I thank you for that word that there's those in here that are struggling with a weakness, and the weakness will will dissipate if we just recognize your Son. But you've not allowed us to overcome this weakness because we've not acknowledged your Son. We felt that we could do it on our own, but we can't. Father, when we are weak, you are strong. Father, you take the foolish things to confound the wise. So, Father, I just... Lift up everybody's weaknesses right now to Yeshua. We acknowledge you, Yeshua, so that we can come to the Father, so the Father's hand can come into our life and deliver us from that weakness. Oh, Father, we lift up those that are here and those that are not here right now, Father. You are restoring and regathering the whole house of Israel, Father. There is no going back, Father. May the angels stand guard over the doors of this temple, Father. May they fly above and beyond and around, Father, to gather us, to bring us together, Father. We just thank you for this, in the name of Yeshua, amen.